dude, this this movie was like how many one-liners did Arnold Schwarzenegger have? It was something else, right? <laughs> yeah, he, he he for every instance he had two. So like he had a one-liner for when he was killing the person, and then he had a one-liner for after he died. He was like, "What's a hothead?" <laughs> <laughs> that was the first one he did. Right? No, no, that that was the heat guy. He did something about uh, the ice guy. Sub Zero. He's like, Killian, this is Sub Zero. Now he's just plain zero. Right. That didn't even make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like plain zero. I get it, but that's not your best one, Arnold. I yeah. Got All right, dude. Ben Richards, a substitute teacher in his free time. I guess, it's, dude. I'm I was very much contemplating taking a lot of this podcast and just being like, I'm going to talk like this for the entire time. <laughs> you know what I uh, was annoyed about was there was not one instance of the dance move, the Running Man, in this movie. Except for the very, very oh well, no, wait. What's the one where the girls do the the side to side step? Did you see it? I that's the running man, right? Uh, or what's the running called? man is where you're kind of like pumping your fists in and out, but then also kind of oh. like running in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't. There wasn't. But did you okay? Well, the first thing I noticed immediately was at the very beginning, the running man, like the, the like animatronic running guy that was moving across the screen, like running man. Like that's the first thing I was like, okay, I already know this movie's gonna be good. And then the <laughs> second the second one was like when the girls were dancing to the introduction of the show and they started doing what's the like when you make uh, 90 degree angles with your shoulders and your arms and you just shuffle to the left and the right what's that dance called oh i know it's what like, you're talking about i don't know that it has what's a that dance move called it's like the cat no it's not the cabbage patch but it's something like that you know what i'm saying yeah they, they pulled that out and i was like oh man lady <laughs> leotard girls and some like side to side shuffling <laughs> it may take place in 2019, but this is a very 1987's movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, tw- it's 2017, man, but they really never took the dancing outside of the, <laughs> the 70s. <laughs> All right, let's get this thing on the road. I'm ready to go. Welcome to That Movie Was, a movie discussion podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Matt, joined by my co-host, Michael. We're back. <laughs> every episode we pick a movie to watch and then discuss this episode that movie was the running man which was released in 1987 one of arnold's best pictures i have to say <laughs> sorry <laughs> that was that was sarcastic but i couldn't even say it with a straight face but yeah arnold schwarzenegger man i really enjoyed that we were we're on a line right now of picking movies based off of the lead actors or actress. And uh, if, it, if it was Tom Hanks last time, then Arnold Schwarzenegger is definitely a good follow-up actor. <laughs> Can you imagine if either Tom Hanks or Arnold Schwarzenegger went on to just not do the stuff that they did after these movies? <laughs> like, or just... or imagine if they had like opposite roles for each other like what if tom hanks was the running man and then arnold schwarzenegger was in the burbs (laughs) (laughs) i can't even imagine it man it's too funny to think about i'm still thinking about that uh pan and scream that they do in the burbs i was like oh 
<laughs> you won't get that joke unless you go back and watch the uh, Burbs episode. Of the yeah, I guess. So sure I guess so. Okay, but enough Arnold jokes. Let's let's <laughs> let's go, let's get into the episode. Yeah, absolutely. So this movie was directed by Paul Michael Glazer, and um, if you recognize that name, it's probably because he was more known as an actor, and he actually played uh, Detective Dave Starsky in Starsky and Hutch. The TV show. <laughs> Oh yeah, the TV show. I, for some reason, the first Starsky and Hutch show that showed up was the one with Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller. And ben Stiller, yeah, he <laughs> yeah. was not. Duh. He was not no. either Ben Stiller or or, or Owen Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm thinking way too my time and not not back when the first Starsky and Hutch happened. But that's awesome to hear. It's funny, you know. Um, I'm really appreciated when like actors take a step upward out of like their comfort zone and try to do something that like, maybe that's not, maybe they want to do it, but not necessarily might be good at or not, not mm-hmm. be like experienced with, but at least they're like expanding out of their, you know, their, their circle of comfort. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it's cool too. I mean, and there's like a lot of instances of people that are mainly known as actors, like also having great movies. Like, I mean, Jordan uh, Peele and Seth Rogen both have done both just to name a few off the bat. Well, yeah, absolutely. And then also, I mean, like Ben Affleck, he's directed, I, I think it's like five or so movies, but I mean, like some really great ones like The Town. I mean, I, I loved The Town. Yeah, um, that is a really good movie. And then Gone Baby Gone, I think was also him. Gone Girl Gone? Gone Baby Gone. He was in Gone Girl. Gone, gone Girl. Movie called Gone Baby Gone. That's why it's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> but you got it, so, man. We're- <laughs> this uh, Paul Michael Glazer, um, as I mentioned, he had uh, experience in television only as an actor. I think he might have directed a couple of episodes of Starsky and Hutch. But this was his debut as a film director. And, uh, I mean, you know, we're still talking about it today. So I, I think he did a pretty, uh, you know, stand-up job, if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, in terms of this movie for what it was, uh, I mean, I've never read the book that Stephen King wrote about for The Running Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have any sort of comparison. But, I mean, for what 1987 looked like, I think – or excuse me, it's 1978, correct? Uh, 87. 87, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm flipping the switch here. But 1987, I thought it did a pretty good job. Uh, I, I, but if I got to be honest, quite a hard project to tackle. Like, you know, I'm thinking of a comparison nowadays, which would be like The Hunger Games, you know, which has like mm-hmm. a lot more going for it in terms of like uh, cinematography, CGI, and things along those lines. But like, trying to create a post-apocalyptic world and then creating a number one hit game show that people are like addicted to watching and trying to like get all of that great detail to try and line up into a movie that only ran for 101 minutes like that is a hard feat if you were to ask me yeah i totally agree and um even i mean you know re-watching this movie in 2020 this 1987's movie, like, you know, <laughs> any of the uh, faults that it had of, you know, like looking kind of hokey or too much like a game show was actually like kind of endearing <laughs> in my mind. Um, <laughs> right. Just kind of brought do... something to it that like the Hunger Games or Battle Royale doesn't really have. 
I'll yeah, I'll give you that. There were a few things that I mean, of course, we'll talk about later and stuff like that that didn't really work out for me in the end. But at the same time, though, it was an enjoyable view, if only for how many one-liners Arnold Schwarzenegger had oh throughout the God. film. Because we're going into the twenties. There was I'm told. Don't worry, I pulled a list, and oh, we will be sprinkling them. I will be peppering them along the conversation. Don't you fret. <laughs> Yeah, I think most of his dialogue in this movie was one-liners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if anything, this is absolutely one of those movies where Arnold Schwarzenegger is flexing his guns. He's this big German blonde-haired sweaty guy just beating up bad guys and managing to save the world. I mean, I don't know necessarily how much we're saving the world here by getting rid of this television zone in an already post-apocalyptic world. But, you know, hey, Arnold saves the day. That's what it's about. Yeah, it saves the day. He's also Austrian. Get it right, Michael. Come on. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. And I'm... here I thought that you might have done a little bit of research on this movie. This is uh, this is. I, don't even know I, I can't work under these conditions. I don't even know who this <laughs> man is. <laughs> so you mentioned a little bit earlier, it was based on a novel written by Stephen King, but it was written under a pen name, uh, he used to go under Richard Bachman. Um, and I don't know if he did that just when it was outside of horror movies or if it was maybe, um, you know, before he had like a lot of fame and notoriety. Um, but yeah, I wrote this under a pen name and then the screenplay was adapted by a gentleman named Stephen E. De Souza. Souza? Souza? And he was the co-writer of Die Hard and Commando. So uh, the screenplay writer, I mean, he, he knows how to do action movies. Yeah, I was just about to say, and even moving into like some of the starring actors in this film, I mean, you got all these guys that are doing action stuff. Even the main female, uh, Maria Alonso, Maria mm -hmm. Conchita Alonso. She was in Predator 2 with Arnold Schwarzenegger just a few years later. So um, definitely, we're definitely dealing with people that know that write and act in just explosion um, action movies. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, uh, <laughs> this movie has some notable faces in it. Obviously, uh, we have Arnold Schwarzenegger, Maria Conchita Alonso, um, Jesse Ventura. <laughs> who, yeah. Oh, go, no, ahead. go ahead. No, I was, no, was going to say, I just made that notice as well. I, I, I totally saw him as there as well. I was like, hey, good, good for you, man. <laughs> we'll definitely be touching on Jesse Ventura here in a bit. Um, but we also have Yafet Koto, Jim Brown, and finally Richard Dawson, who uh, he was the original host of Family Feud. Family Feud. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I love it. I, I, that, honestly, isn't Richard Dawson the man that was known for always introducing himself to a lady with like a little kiss on the cheek or something like that? Wasn't he like just a, a he was the kissing guy, right? Yeah, I, I heard he he got maybe a little bit creepy off camera. You know, when the cameras weren't rolling or they went to commercial, he was kind of like, and you're the lady of the household? <laughs> you know, like, um, <laughs> It was, yeah, I don't know. I, well, let's just say Steve Hardy's not doing that anymore. But it, like, yeah, I did notice Richard Dawson. I mean, great to have an actual game show host to be on a movie. You know, that ma it makes perfect sense. Exactly. He knows exactly how to play the role. 
but uh, I do remember him from his family feud days for sure. Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely was a great choice for a game show host, but I think he actually was a little bit closer to his on-screen counterpart, Damon Killian, than many people would have liked. Um, kind of a disappointing fact I looked up while researching the movie. A lot of the people that used to work under Richard Dawson said that uh, he was actually really terrible to work for <laughs> and just treated uh, people terrible so um well i mean there's instances where you can catch that on the camera too remember the guy that's mopping the floor and then he gets fired it seems like that's uh they painted his portrait correctly then if he ends up being a, an asshole off camera yeah so let's say he was studying for the role <laughs> <laughs> good one friend good one i like that yeah um yeah, so The Running Man, it was a moderate box office success when it came out. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not really breaking any fences, uh, breaking any ceilings here. No, nah, it, it grossed $38 million on a $27 million budget. So, I mean, it, it, it made money, definitely. But it had mixed reviews from critics. Um, well, Stephen King didn't like it. Then the, guy, the man that wrote the book just said that he didn't enjoy the film. So, that uh, goes to show right there, that's already a kind of uh, disappointing feature. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty damning when, you know, you don't <laughs> get the, the guy that wrote the, the person who wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys didn't do it quite right. You kind of kind of fucked up. <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> but yeah, th- that I I can totally see that. I mean, if anything, one of the most kind of disappointing features was the fact that um, oh, I fe- I felt a lot of it from the. Uh, audience members that were watching the viewing the show live to the um, citizens that were gambling and all the other things that were going on along. It was so jumbled and the audio was just so mixed amongst people trying to talk over each other or Mm -hmm. like whenever Damien Killian was like, you know, what show is this? And they're like the running man. Like I can't, I can't even hear it. You know, it just sounds like garbled 50 people trying to say things. Yeah, maybe bad audio mixing. It could have been um, bad audio mixing, but I think it's just trying to have so many people, you know, be excited about a game show and you know, game shows themselves like, you know, you don't really hear the audience members because they're so garbled saying their own things. They're no one's saying the exact thing right, but you know, now we're trying to catch that onto a microphone while Damien's trying to like, you know, you know, win a prize for an audience member, but everyone's yelling in their ears. It just there's, I'm telling you, like it sounded like 15 minutes of this 101 minutes were just garbled yelling and betting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the... Uh, well, let's get into the synopsis of the movie, and then we'll sure, talk a little bit about in the plot in here. Sure. And so, this movie, in a dystopian America... A falsely convicted policeman gets shot, gets his shot <laughs> at freedom when he must forcibly participate in a TV game show where convicts, runners, must battle killers for their freedom. Sorry, that sentence was written weird. No, that, <laughs> no I, I'm just imagining the synopsis of a dystopian police officer gets shot, and that's the movie. Period. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Running time, two minutes. <laughs> Because the running man didn't run fast enough, huh? (laughs) 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 
<laughs> oh, you're terrible, man. You're terrible. <laughs> but yeah, so I, my, my favorite part about this movie is the fact that it's like 2017. I just love how like old movies, whether it was like watching the Twilight Zone back in the black and white Twilight Zone or, you know, any of these 80s movies trying to predict what 30 or 40 years in the future are going to look mm-hmm. like. They are just like entirely wrong. And, uh, but I mean, of course, this is fictional. We get that and everything like that. But it's just the fact that, you know, people's minds can't think of what w- the world's going to look like in 5,000 years. But, you know, it's a lot more easier to look at it if it was just like 100 years. But, you know, even still, you know, we don't, <laughs> humankind isn't thinking of technology that fast to the point, you know, that we got people like, uh, dynamo here shooting laser beams out of his hand (laughs) oh it's great yeah i mean you know whether it's like back to the future 2 was supposed to take place in 2015 and then blade runner is supposed to take place in 2019 los angeles and it's you know you see like just like flying cars and stuff but then also i mean you know who'll pull out like that whole like enhanced scene <laughs> where he has like you know just like a giant uh <laughs> big like crt bad screen low resolution tv and it's like okay well we don't have flying cars but like we're definitely further along than that when it comes to like <laughs> television technology you know? <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so it's like exactly. okay, there's some stuff that they were like shooting way too far for but some stuff oh. that like okay we've actually surpassed <laughs> that <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Once we go into the plot, I'll make a note of that. It's at the very beginning of the movie during the prison, es- the prison escape. But that was one of the funniest parts of the movie. But um, you're totally right. I totally agree with you. I'm ready to jump into the plot if you are, because I'm already itching to talk about things in this movie. Oh, definitely. And let's start before we get into the meat of it. Give a little backstory. So placed in 2017, there's a big worldwide economic collapse. The United States has become a totalitarian, totalitarian police state. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, it, it, the U.S. government is pacifying the populace by doing this game show called The Running Man. And it's criminals who are fighting for their lives, gladiator style. And it's hosted by none other than uh, Damon Killian, you know, the man himself we were talking about before, Richard Dawson. Um, and yeah, basically, I mean, if you can get past <laughs> this onslaught of, you know, uh, what they call stalkers, these armed mercenaries, then you can get pardoned for your crimes. Right, right. I do remember that. They were so, that was like kind of the whole niche of the thing it was like, hey, you know, a lot of convicts here are getting killed and murdered, but, you know, if they make it out, then they're they're pardoned of their sins and they go live on like a, a Hawaiian island or something like that. So <laughs> yeah, they do show the uh, the green screen <laughs> Hawaiian islands behind them. You know, I, I think they're wearing uh, <laughs> some Hawaiian shirts and probably have like coconuts full of um, <laughs> pina coladas. No, oh, delicious. Yeah, but you're totally right, man. So the world's basically falling apart, and now there's this the state of of creative you know this cultural place that basically is just a totalitarian police state exactly like you just said it so it's completely controlled and dictated by the police and the government and 
the only thing people got to do other than beg for food is watch this game show because all other means of like art and you know uh culture and everything like that has been you know blacklisted Mm -hmm. right but then we get to see uh arnold schwarzenegger immediately into the scene and he's (laughs) he he looks great flying that airplane that looks way too small for him well that's because it's a helicopter a helicopter! Oh my gosh! <laughs> this airplane is going vertical. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a helicopter. My gosh! No, it's so uh, It's a yeah, small one. His character, a guy named Ben Richards. He, you know, this is Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think he's pretty early into his film career. He might have done like maybe a couple before this, maybe Conan the Barbarian or something by 1987. But um, he is still huge, you know, he's more uh, like, you know, bodybuilder than actor still at this point. And so that's yeah, definitely. So he's yeah, he's flashing the muscles. Um, I think he did. I think he did Predator uh, the same year that he made this film. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they did come out the same year. Yeah, so yeah, another one of his movies where you just get to see him glisten in the jungle, and the, he's got that sweat shimmer going on. And he's all he's he's less man and more muscles. Oh yeah, they were spraying him between takes. Um, but you know, everybody else in this helicopter just looks puny compared to him. <laughs> um, it's just it, it's such a funny uh, <laughs> comparison. Yeah, like juxtaposition exactly. between them. But yeah, so I mean, he's flying a police helicopter, um, and there is a food riot uh, down on the ground below. And yeah, so anyways, he's flying a police helicopter. He gets a message over his uh, radio: "Hey, um, go ahead and shoot these people up. <laughs> you know, who are causing a basically food riot. You know, murder these civilians." And he's like. I'm not even going to try and do the accent. Yeah, I told myself before this podcast started that I am not going to try and do the accent. <laughs> okay. All right. Are you daring enough to try it? <laughs> These are innocent people. I'm not going to shoot innocent people. <laughs> you know, that wasn't so bad. No, thank you. I appreciate it. But that's basically the gist of it, man. He had like a call of conscience right there. And the guy's like, do your job. And he's like, no. And then he goes over to the intercom to his, I guess, his uh, first mate, the other pilot, the Mm co-pilot. And he's like, hey, take over. And right when he does, he tries to shoot him with a pistol. But then Arnold just goes complete, just, you know, rampage mode. But the best part about this place is that he's trying to fight off the people in his helicopter because there's the co-pilot and a couple people in the back as well. But, you know, like no one's flying the plane and he completely <laughs> abandons the pilot position to go fight people. And he even, he even takes one of the guys and throws him over the driver's seat and like lands on the control panel. Like, how is this helicopter <laughs> still in the air? It's, it's the future, cool. man. These things fly themselves. Obviously, obviously. <laughs> but <laughs> as, as we know that, even as strong as Arnold is, he can't put up against a four people in a helicopter because he almost crashes to the ground. He almost falls out. And luckily enough, his, uh, one of the guys picks him up, but then immediately knocks him out for his crimes. Yeah, right. So, I mean, he does not, you know, murder these civilians, but 
still they try and uh, frame the massacre on him. And, um, yeah, I mean, they actually send him to a uh, labor camp in the next scene. (laughs) Yeah. And this, I have to say, is my favorite part of the movie because it's, I believe it says 18 months later. So a year and a half later, you know, Arnold comes back and he's carrying an eye beam on his shoulder. Like, (laughs) Like he hasn't been in a labor camp for the last 18 months eating nothing but sludge. You know, he still looks like a ripped Hunkadonis. He's surviving off of his reserves. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. He's eat, he's eating those eye beams, man. Those are giving him his iron. Yeah, that was his lunch, don't you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But essentially, he's getting out of this labor camp, you know, and I, by that time, he's making a few friends through other prisoners and stuff like that, and they all come through to this plan to try and um, escape. And they're all wearing these neck braces that are obviously, you know, if you cross a certain perimeter or whatever like that, it'll it'll go off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a, basically a bomb in order to keep them there instead of having them, you know, with a, you know, bound with handcuffs or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're right. So yeah, there's a perimeter around the camp. Uh, we do see it one scene. You cross this perimeter, basically your head just pops. Um, right. Yeah. So, so he's he's teamed yeah. up with some uh, resistance fighters. You know, people who uh, want to escape this camp. Um, but are also working against the totalitarian state you know they're they're the underground um you know resistance exactly as you said it they're trying to fight the system right yeah sort of like guerrilla fighters um yep yep they had the monk suits on i thought we have harold weiss and william laughlin are two of the fighters we're introduced to um and mick and so yeah i mean he, he we sort of see like, well, we don't really see the plan form, do we? We just, we're kind of introduced no. on the day that the plan happens. Exactly. And so it's kind of funny because the whole plan starts with the, I think it's Weiss is this skinny, uh, he's the tech guy, you know, that, or at least that's how they're trying to make him mm-hmm. out to be. He's got the glasses, skinny white guy. He knows how to work the system and stuff like that. And he's going to get water and, uh, officer is about five feet behind him typing in the codes to deactivate the prisoners or deactivate the perimeter so that the prisoners could cross into the work camp and he just is like looking over his shoulder looking at the code and the code just so you guys know we're talking like 1970s computers here so it's only an eight digit word code or something like that that they're just typing into a big blocky keyboard the (laughs) security at this camp is the same as an atm yeah, <laughs> or, or, or your local library, basically. <laughs> and so the guy, the officer, like, looks over his shoulder, sees him looking into the computer, and he's just like, hey, man, get out of here. And the Weiss is just like, you got it. And he just walks away. <laughs> like, he didn't, like, look at very crucial codes right there. But anywho, um, based on White, uh, it's Laughlin and Richards. They just start trying to have a fist fight in order to cause some sort of riot. But everyone seemed to be a part of it because them two fighting led to everyone fighting, leading to officers using their weapons to shoot down people. And all during this time, Weiss manages to, during the fray, capture that same computer the officer was using. And uh, his point unbeknownst to us they don't tell us the plan of course but we find out oh, okay he remembers the code he wants to deactivate the perimeter but 
my favorite part about this is that like we're living this future dystopian era and they can't get the codes to work because of two reasons. The first reason is, is that they're inside the warehouse and they can't get a good connection to the outside. So they got to leave the warehouse <laughs> with this lugging this computer around all while fighting off the police and stuff like that in order to just make it outside. But lo and behold, we find that there is another officer outside of the perimeter in the safety area. And he has another computer. And every time that Weiss is trying to type in the code, I think the other officer is typing in the code saying, like, denied, can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And so Weiss is like, I can't make it work, Ben. It's not working. He's like, you got to make it work, Weiss. We don't have time. And uh, then finally, someone shoots that officer on the other computer. And at that point, Weiss is able to, like, make the per- the perimeter go down because you could type in the code but i'm all i'm imagining is just like a text battle between them two just saying like can i please unlock the perimeter and the other guy was like, no you can't pretty please can't allow you to do it <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> i know i, I want to see how long that could go on <laughs> days yeah, <basically>. weeks months <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whoever's fingers get carpal tunnel first I mean, you know, if that other officer had hidden somewhere where he couldn't be shot, just, hey, exactly. uh, right, I'm tapping out for the day. You keep on typing in this code. Uh, just exactly. Yeah, they just, someone has to, <laughs> <laughs> they just have to clock out and everything like that. But the, the weird, I, so basically, yeah, you guys know what happens. You know, eventually the officer gets shot on the other end. Weiss manages to type in the code. Everyone gets free. But the weirdest part about this is that there's one prisoner who just like cannot wait any longer to get out of the perimeter even though the perimeter is not down and and he's not listening to richards or anyone (laughs) yell at him saying hey the perimeter is still up the perimeter is still up and he's just full-on running and then we just get to see the experience of someone's head getting exploded from the from the neck brace or something like that but it was just like you know why don't we throw this guy in here and he's just gonna get his head exploded are you cool with that man (laughs) <laughs> that death was absolutely meant for the audience to see, like <laughs> yeah, what, someone's what these head devices do. <laughs> Basically, but you know, hey, good for Richards and the gang. They escaped the labor camp, and uh, basically, they they sneak their way back into this police state. They, I don't think they ever give the state a name. They just call it, you know, it is the police state. And uh, basically, yeah, they're just uh, basically trying to get towards some sort of safety so but weiss and life laughlin are going back to be uh, a part of the resistance again and meet up mm-hmm. with that leader but at first richards isn't a part of that he has this plan to go meet up with his brother and his brother is going to help him get out of the police state and you know leave leave the path behind kind of thing yeah that's absolutely right so he he does go to his brother's apartment or at least the brother's old apartment because he finds it's now occupied by a woman, Amber Mendez, um, and she now lives there. Uh, so Arnie is basically just, you know, trespassing and being an Yeah, being <laughs> yeah. And um, so, yeah, they get into a uh, little bit of a struggle. but um, yeah, yeah, Arnold manages to get there first before Amber even shows up. Because she comes back from work, and her first instinct is is to get into some nighty lingerie and then do workout <laughs> routine. 
she's she's in some like skimpy looking clothes and she's like i'm gonna do my richard simmons workout with i believe the character is um captain freedom captain yes, freedom that's right jesse ventura's he, character jesse ventura's his character in that show and uh just a little bit of foresight here i won't get too much into it he's also one of the stalkers on the show uh the running man or used to be at least but yeah essentially arnold finds her working out and manages to you know uh subdue her and then tie her up while he's trying to figure out you know what's going on essentially yeah i think the movie knew that the remainder of the movie was just going to be like sweaty muscle men versus each other and so they're like we need to have like amber do some workouts ahead of time in this skimpy clothing (laughs) (laughs) yeah when are we gonna get our public nudity in here we gotta find some time in here guys so let's shove but, that in. <laughs> right. And essentially what comes of it is, is that Ben Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ben Richards, decides that he's going to leave and go on vacation to Hawaii or something like that. And he steals Amber's travel pass. And his plan is to go through the airport and try and basically escape. Yep. So he takes Amber hostage. They go to the airport so that uh, – they can flee well so that he can flee to hawaii with her and uh this is the best outfit i have ever seen on schwarzenegger and i know other than like <laughs> yeah man he, this man looks like any sort of tourist that has ever gone to hawaii ever any stereotypical <laughs> tourist white he's got a white brimmed hat he's got the shades on he's got this ugly looking shirt on and even to a point there's a there's a scene where they're traveling to um basically like tsa security and they're taking a tram over to it and amber is still under you know ben richard's clutches she has her by the arm and he's she's like oh i get really i get really motion sickness like i'm gonna if you don't let me go i'm gonna throw up all of your shirt and Ben Richards goes, don't worry, you won't even see him with this shirt on anyway, <laughs> which I thought was the best line in the movie. Oh, he's got some great lines in this movie. <laughs> I know, but that, was the one, that one was actually funny. The rest of them are just <laughs> terrible. I'll give you, at least give Arnold that one good joke that he had from a 20 that did not land the rest of the movie. But <laughs> lo and behold, here we are. They get through security. They manage to make through it. But all Amber really had to do at any point was just be like, help, help, I'm kidnapped. And Arnold just starts running away like a guilty person would do in that scenario and and gets subdued by the police once more through the classic um, projectile netting of, like that, you know, most cartoon <laughs> characters get nabbed by. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the only way that you can take down Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't think bullets hurt him. He eats them. He grows stronger. <laughs> yes, uh, as we can by the eye beams that he eats for breakfast. Yes. I'm sure that he gets those iron su- supplements in there for sure. But yeah, if there's one thing you can do, you got to either catch him in a very large hole in the ground. <laughs> That's covered you have in to- leaves and <laughs> Exactly, leaves and Or you have to catch him with the old uh, catapult net. <laughs> And you got to get to him before he uh, climbs a tall building in New York and, uh, you know, is clutching a woman as airplanes <laughs> fly around. While, while beating onto his chest as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, continue, man. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's it, Arnold eventually does get caught. Um, although he gets through a few different, uh, you know, uh, kind of trials and tribulations here at the airport. But yeah, so ultimately he gets caught. Um, and this uh, Damon Killian, the host of The Running Man, he kind of is looking through different uh, new convicts. Um, potential, potential, uh, yeah. Yeah, p- potential, um, you know, runners. Contestants, on, on this yeah. Running Man. Contestants, that's right. And he, he lands on Arnie and he loves, he falls in love immediately. <laughs> he is like, this guy's perfect. Who is this guy? They find who out, wouldn't? Okay. Ben Richards, he's the guy who uh, massacred all these innocent civilians in a food riot. And um, yeah, so it, this, you know, Damon Killian is in love with him, wants him on the show, but he knows he needs to coerce him into you know, participating on The Running Man. And so, uh, yeah, he does so because he has been able to apprehend uh, Laughlin and Weiss. Right. Yeah. They get, he gets his two resistance buddies that helped him escape. And even though like Ben Richards is portrayed as a loner, he kind of, it's, it's kind of screwed either way, you know, like he's either going to have to go in the show by himself in order to save these two guys from going in, or they're going to replace him in the show. And so I guess with a kind heart, he's like, all right, I'll do it. Cause these guys are definitely not going to survive this, but um <laughs> well it's after that when uh you know the whole basically the next episode of the running man is basically taking place we got ben richards he's getting all signed up uh with the lawyer basically going through his rights even though he doesn't really have any rights <laughs> and then <laughs> he's also getting suited up in his leotard because you know in the 1980s they loved their leotards and that's how you protect yourself in, you know, post-apocalyptic, you know, dystopian eras. Oh, the leotards are fantastic. Could they give yeah. him something, like, any more respectable? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anything with a little... Exactly. Anything less shameful. But <laughs> as, basically, all during this time, though, um, he's just going through the runs of the back, you know, behind the curtain before he gets introduced onto the show. But first, we get introduced to about 10 minutes of the girl dancers to the show doing their leotards, basically just doing all these kickstop motions and everything like that while we get prepared. We also get a scene cut to um, some just regular old average Joes and Jills basically betting on the show because that's all that people do in this future time is watch this show and place bets and stuff. So, uh, but what really took me away was, and I mentioned this before the show to Matt here, was that some of the girls were doing, even though this is taking place 40 years in the future and stuff like that, they never left the 1980s dance moves. And they were doing things, even though they never did the Running Man, did they, Matt? They never, they never showed did off the Running the, Man. No, no, Name but I'm movie. pretty sure I, uh, I no, they really missed an opportunity there. But they, they didn't miss out on any cabbage patching. Or any, um, you know, what's like electric slide? What are some of the other dance moves? They, <laughs> they hit everything that came out of that era. Let's just say that in dance formation. Yeah, no, they hit them all. Yeah, there, there were no new dance moves after the year 1987. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dancing was exactly. outlawed. It, it all became um, 30 dancing. 
<laughs> Basically, it was a mix of Dirty Dancing and Richard Simmons' workout plans. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> But uh, basically, yeah, basically here we are now. Damon's introducing the show. He's saying that he's, you know, we get introduced to Ben Richard. He comes on the show, and the um, audience get a recording of what was taking place in the helicopter uh, during the night of what was called the Bakersfield massacre. And uh, what happens is, is that it looked like uh, Damien and all the, you know, government basically uh, lied. They threw together a false videotape of how, you know, Ben Richards actually wanted to murder the people. And the entire time, you know, the guy, the other guy on the intercom that was giving the orders like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. But he ended up, you know, laying waste to everyone. But we all know that's not actually what happened. And that was all a lie. But, you know, that's what it, that's that's television for you, I guess. And all during this time, um, Arn, Ben Richards is getting strapped into this. I don't know. It looks like a bobsled. There's some yeah, sort of basically a bobsled. <laughs> yeah, and which I have to say, I never seen this show before. I mean, excuse me, this movie before. <laughs> My mind was just racing as to what is going to be happening next when that bobsled goes down the slide. Because all that the game show center is is the audience, Damien up on the stage, and this huge tube in the middle with a bobsled that the contestant is strapped into. And uh, <laughs> I was just, I was basically just waiting to see what Damien was going to do after he announced off the show in the beginning. And right when he did, there goes Ben Richards straight down the, the tube going like a bajillion miles an hour, it looked like. At least the, he was hitting a few G-forces Oh, my there. gosh, that's fantastic. His cheeks are flapping back. That's <laughs> <laughs> everything you can I, want it to be. If we had the slow motion video technology like we do now for that, I just would love to see those cheeks just on like slow motion rippling across the screen. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the host, Damon Killian, you know, he's kind of a smarmy guy. And uh, he actually does send Laughlin and uh, Weiss into the You're show right. with Ben Richards. You know, he, he, yeah, he, he went got- against his word. Right, he got Ben Richard to go on the show promising that, you know, Laughlin and Weiss would be safe. They wouldn't have to go in themselves. And he goes back on his word. Exactly, exactly. So, lo and behold, it's not just Ben Richards joining the show. It's also Laughlin and Weiss. And all of them have their own individual tubes and individual bullet bobsleds. But I got to say, though, so, okay, guys, they're going down the bobsled. They're going a million miles an hour. Their cheeks are rippling. And lo and behold, all that happens is, is that at the end of the slide is that they hit this like orange, you know, you know, it's like orange construction wicker like fences that are made out of plastic, you know, that like, hey, you can't cross here. This is where we're, you know, putting down new turf for the for the football yeah, field like or something a like fence. <laughs> yeah, it completely stops this bullet going like a bajillion miles an hour. And they're like, oh, okay, we're just going to get out of this real quick. <laughs> well, don't forget that there are some fireworks on the front that shoot the opposite way. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. So like first they hit the fence and then the rockets go and project them the other way. And then so they, they, they come to us. Slows them down from 200 miles per hour to 199 miles per hour. <laughs> Exactly. And nothing stops those plastic snow fences, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> I've been skiing before. I've gotten clothesline there. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. Exactly. <laughs> what happens when a moving object meets an unstoppable force or something like exactly. that? Exactly. <laughs> well, no, hey, man, that's, that's, that's 
philosophy right there. <laughs> Confucius says right there. But you're right, man. Nothing really came of that slide. I was thoroughly disappointed. I don't know about yourself. Oh, I, yeah. I, I just thought it was great because that's something that you would never see in today's – can you imagine if like the Hunger Games came out but also just had one of those slides in it? Everybody would be like, I really like the movie, but what was up with that slide? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or like if a – show today took place we're like hey we know you're in the game show now but you're actually going to take this bullet train and you're going to go about two miles away into another warehouse and that's where you're actually going to do the game show <laughs> I'll, be like, I'll be like why what's the point <laughs> so but, but go ahead what happens next these guys are out of the bullet train and they're they're in the game show now yeah they're out of the bullet train they're in the game show and we are introduced here to our first stalker who are these mercenaries Basically, they're kind of, uh, you know, recurring uh, characters throughout all of these different uh, Running Man episodes. But, um, yeah, they're kind of picked by, like, you know, the audience. So Right. It, this, this show, just, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the show, it's, it's, it seems like it's really taking place during, where, during when uh, the actual game show American Gladiator was mm-hmm. coming around. Or, I don't know how long that show, when it started or anything like that, but just like this game was reeking of American Gladiator from the stalkers or gladiators and then like the different types of themes that they had for like, you know, uh, moving ahead a little bit, the first stalker is named Sub-Zero and he's a it's like goalie hockey player that plays on ice and stuff like that. That's totally something that would come out of the mind of a game show host on Gladiator. Oh, absolutely. American Gladiator. And I just right. looked it up. American Gladiators premiered 1989. Two years later. So. Two years later, really? Wow. Maybe this was like the stepping stone into that, or like I'm not, you know, totally spitting ball in here. Yeah, I think but. they <laughs> took the wrong thing from the show. They're <laughs> this movie, they watch it and they're like, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We could do that. We'll just, you know, use foam balls instead of, you know, <laughs> instead of actual fireballs. Let's work our way up to the actual <laughs> fireballs. <laughs> yeah, we'll get them to sign the contract next time. But uh, yeah, so the first guy, his name is Sub Zero, and he is this like big looking brute of a guy. But he's decked out in all of this hockey gear. He's he's like a hockey player, but he's the goalie. He's got all the goalie gear on the pads and everything, and he has this hockey stick that's just supposed to be, you know, you know, he can slice through any object kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Sub Zero was probably my favorite in the movie. I don't know about you. He had the best luck fighting them. I'll say that the rest of the guys, man, they just, they hardly put a dent on uh, Ben Richards. I think it was a tie between Sub Zero and Buzzsaw that did the most damage. But the other person, Dynamo and Hothead or whatever mm-hmm. his name was, terrible. They, you know, they they should have never showed up to work that day because they did literally nothing. No, yeah, they they. They stink, man. They're never picked by the audience. I bet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, who, who wants to watch Dynamo do his thing? He's kind of boring. But uh, right. Sub Zero, you mentioned. I mean, he's in hockey gear. He has his own stage, which is just you know this uh, hockey rink, ice rink. Yeah, which it, it has a a goal, which you know folds in on itself and can trap a person in there. And I think White yeah. gets stuck <laughs> at one point. Right. It looks like like an uh, oyster clam. Like, you know, it's like opening its mouth and then just snaps right shut or like, a, um, you know, basically a Venus flytrap or something like that. But, yep, 
basically, you know, coming around here trying to smack people with his stick and stuff. Then while you got Weiss and uh, Laughlin and Richards all just running around with, you know, chick- like chickens with their heads chopped off. But uh, Richards actually manages to take a little bit of like the fencing and the barbed wire that mm-hmm. made up the his his, you know, stadium or whatever like that. And I don't know how I managed how he got to do it, but basically he just pulls off all this barbed wire and manages to like basically clothesline sub zero around the neck. He gave him the old choke hold with the barbed wire move, man. I'm pretty sure they made that illegal in boxing back in '67, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know this this is this is dystopian uh, backstreet rules. So you know anything goes. <laughs> yeah, back when things were better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Back when better. When things were better when they were actually worse. Yeah, so Ben Richards, I mean, yeah, he manages to kill Sub-Zero. And, you know, they do say it's the first time a stalker's ever died on the show. So, I mean, just kind of a hush falls over the audience. Uh, Damon Killian doesn't really know what to do. He's like, uh, an odd commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, yeah, he's like, all right, that was not supposed to happen. But, yeah, they just go on the commercial. And uh, basically, at this point, um amber is introduced into the pit um because you know i first i think amber was against ben richards but then kind of like oh i remember what happened sorry guys we missed a little bit of a part here it's a little important so i'll remember it but essentially amber is back at her home and she's looking over the news report of what happened the day that ben richards entered her life and captured her but, you know, going through the story, basically seeing how she managed to escape uh, Ben Richards' clutches in the airport, and lo and behold, the government managed to, like, point-blank shoot two or three people. But Amber was there and was like, well, that didn't happen, so why is everyone lying? And so then she gets the thought of, you know, maybe Ben Richards was telling the truth when he came to my house that one time. And she she goes to do a little bit of investigative work. She finds the the new stadium that there she works at and she manages to sneak into one of the back rooms and funny enough they just have all this good information back in you know in in the drawers of like oh this one's the real video this one's the fake video and they like <laughs> so she but all during that time that she was doing all the snooping and investigating she gets cut she gets uh you know caught in the red-handed in the act and What's better punishment is that now she gets to join Ben Richards and all these guys right into the uh, into right into the game. Yeah, absolutely. So now it's four of them, four contestants on the Running Man. Now that Amber's been, uh, you know, introduced, and right. Um, yeah, here's where we meet the next two stalkers as Buzzsaw and Dynamo. Um, so yeah, they do a tag team team up. Yeah, it's funny how it's Damien who's asking the audience, because you were saying it best, it's audience pick stalkers, you know, and she's, he's asking this old woman, like, hey, which one of your favorite stalkers wants to come in and make sure that Ben Richards gets killed? And he's, <laughs> he's like, he's like, I don't know, Buzzsaw Dynamo. Oh, I love Buzzsaw. Buzzsaw. <laughs> everyone's taught me Buzzsaw, but I really like Dynamo. And he's like, don't worry, man, we'll get both of them out there for you. And so we got the tag team duo here of Buzzsaw who's just this brute of a guy that holds on to like four or five chainsaws that, you know, again, the chainsaw can cut through anything. And then Dynamo. And Dynamo, I got to say, is 
he is a weird guy. I would have never expected a guy named Dynamo to look like the guy that ended up showing up there. Yeah. So, like you said, Buzzsaw, I mean, somebody I would expect to be on this show. He carries chainsaws. Yeah. He has a He's got a tank motorcycle and straps his Buzzsaws <laughs> onto it. Dynamo, <laughs> kind of a chunky guy. Uh, you know, obviously... <laughs> This probably wasn't his like line of work that he thought he would go into because he really loves opera. Yeah, because he was just singing opera the entire time. Like you know, like that was his intro to the to the audience. And he has a suit that gives him electrical powers, but really it just looks like <laughs> somebody strapped a bunch of Christmas lights onto a spandex. Suit. Yeah, exactly. He he has a he has a he has a kid. He's got like a six year old kid that want to play robots, and they've managed to get all the bright lights out of the attic and put them on Dynamo. That's exactly how the man looked right there. But his special powers <laughs> is that like he has lightning that he could shoot out of guns on the side of his arms or whatever like that. So a real duo. Do you remember those uh, light bright boards when we were kids? That's exactly what I was saying. Oh, okay, That's exactly yeah, okay. what I was saying stuff like literally the stuff that just like they were just poking him all over his body with these little light brights and then someone put a light bulb in his stomach and that's like that's what dynamo yep. looks like that's absolutely how he got his power just the <laughs> lamest superhero origin story <laughs> exactly so basically what's happening here is is that all during this time um weiss and laughlin or at least weiss points out that there's this radio um tower this is or there's a you know a satellite mm-hmm. basically in this game zone area that he, he is just like pressed on getting to because he's like uh you know we got to get to the radio tower and get the signal out in order to the resistance to blah, 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 blah. like really technical stuff that he only explains over one time and it's you know it gets lost in all the everything that's going on in the show right now. Yeah. And like I was saying earlier, the audio in this movie was just so bad that you really couldn't like get any sort of, you know, clear understanding unless you were to come back to this movie one time and rewatch it again with fresh eyes. But um, essentially what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, Weiss goes off with Amber to go explore more about this radio tower while um, uh, Laughlin and Richards get uh, basically split up and they come across uh, it's Buzzsaw first. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Buzzsaw, I mean, he uh, <laughs> he's just swinging some chainsaws around. He's riding his chopper. Um, we... And uh, Dynamo's got this DeLorean that he's driving across the, across the wasteland. He's got, he's got his whole car together. But yeah, they're just, you know, they're, they're riding in like Hell's Angels. Yeah, I I do like that each of them have a vehicle. It kind of, you know, I, I could see like these characters becoming like toys or something like that. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you, exactly. You, you these are definitely action figures. If you're going to have Buzzsaw, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And basically it's hilarious because, you know, like Richards and Laughlin are fighting for their lives and stuff like that. But really all Buzzsaw is doing is getting in his motorcycle driving straight and then he just horizontally sticks out his chainsaw like to like horizontal swing ah, i missed them i gotta turn back around horizontal swing ah, maybe the third time will be best and then it's the third swing that he actually get managed to give uh last one a blow across the chest 
So, yeah, Laughlin's in bad shape after the third attempt by Buzzsaw, but it's Richards who uh, manages to overly prevail against them in a really disgusting way, by the way. Really disgusting way. I didn't, I didn't know if they were going to go there or not, but absolutely. I mean, he uses the chainsaw and uh, brings it – up upward bottom up uh bisecting him you know with his own chainsaw but starting with the uh you know like old groin area. Family, jewel. <laughs> <laughs> family jewel yeah basically so buzzsaw gets by far killed the worst way i mean i don't know getting choked to death with a uh you know barbed wire metal thing around your neck that sounds pretty terrible but i mean come on like you're getting your nads just torn apart and then bleed out that's the uh, can't think of that no more. And but I think we're going to cover one-liners a little bit later. But <laughs> while we're on this, this is one that I wrote down. It's <laughs> so I, I, Amber. I think asks Ben Richards. You know, once they meet up again, what happened to Buzzsaw? <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger goes, "Yeah, to it." <laughs> 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 oh my gosh you know yeah so and the first one the best one one liners he's like uh buzz it's weird because buzzsaw and ben richards are in in an entanglement right now and buzzsaw is trying to push the chainsaw on top of richards and buzzsaw's like i am a part of the chainsaw the chainsaw is a part of me and now I'm going to make it a part of you. But then, like, I don't even know how Ben Richards manages to, like, maneuver the chainsaw outward from his own face and then upward. And, but, like, he's about to basically bisect both sides. He's like, I don't want it. Why don't you keep it? And he just gets it right up into his neck. And I was like, you got him. And then, yep, you're right. And he was like, he had to split. He had to split. But um, the important thing here is that after Ben Richards comes away with the kill, we got to go over to what White and Amber are doing. And basically, White manages to find this control panel. And, you know, being the tech genius he is, he's like, we need to get the codes from this signal Mm -hmm. so that we can give it to the resistance. And so all during that time, he's trying to give Amber these codes to memorize. But Dynamo finally makes his first appearance in the show. Or, excuse me, in the fight. Yeah, and so, I mean, he just can use electricity, basically, uh, you know, cast it on Weiss, electrocutes him, uh, and kills him. <laughs> Straight up. Which is crazy. If you, based off of, the, it was funny because, you know, and there's two instances of this here, guys, and I'll make sure to mention them both. But the first instance, because and I, basically, I'm re- reasoning I'm saying this is because Dynamo is by far the worst of the stalkers, <laughs> and I'm putting I'm giving him a grade F for his appearance in this movie because well, the first one is is that his electric powers might not work that well because even though Weiss is the one that's directly hit, we're seeing a show that it connects and also hits Amber, but Amber just like gets up and is like ah you know that was just a little bit of a shock you know <laughs> someone someone hit me with one of those shake buzzers or something like that i'm gonna get up and get away and even though dynamo managed to kill weiss and stuff like that he doesn't go after to help amber really until ben richards gets you know gets involved eventually ben richards comes in and even though that he shocks her one more time like he didn't kill her he just knocked her out like 
why didn't you kill her when you had the chance, Dynamo? You have electricity, and you're tangling with like a hundred and twenty pound woman. What's what's <laughs> happening here? It's because his first love is opera music. He doesn't want to be a stalker anymore. <laughs> I guess you're right. I get, that must be it. He, he can't handle the swings anymore. But, but yeah, so he basically gets in his buggy go, after this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why don't you explain this part, Matt? Because this part is also quite hilarious. Oh, this buggy is ridiculous. So I mean, he, you know, he he needs a little car because he can't, you know, get around real well. And so, you know, Richards finds Amber. You know, they're tr- both trying to run away from Dynamo as he's, <laughs> you know, running or uh, driving around in this buggy. And then eventually, I mean, he just gets to basically one part that has an incline and the buggy flips. <laughs> it's so exactly. inconvenient. It traps him inside. <laughs> it's like this man has never driven a vehicle before and doesn't know how gravity and physics works because, like, the only thing that Arnold Schwarzenegger can do at this point besides run away is try and get to a better, like, running position. And so he starts running up this incline of looks – it's, it just looks like debris and basically just like blocks and things like that. Just t- like they're in a junkyard or something like that. <laughs> Instead of just like coming to a complete stop and then using your electric abilities like a normal <laughs> villain would do, he's like, my car can handle these slopes <laughs> and just tries to drive at this worst angle and comes completely tumbling down and gets pinned by the car. And he's like, oh no. It's like, oh. Cut to commercial. Cut to commercial. (laughs) But Ben Richards still being this heroic person that we're supposed to believe him to be, he lets Dynamo go with his life because he's he's he would never kill a harm uh, unarmed you know human. Yeah, even as one disgusting as this guy is supposed to be absolutely and so i mean the audiences at home see that too and you know they i think it starts to kind of not add up that hey this is that same guy who massacred a bunch of people in bakersfield exactly yeah the whole reason people can enjoy the show is because the patrons that take place in it have some sort of you know bad background but the more we're seeing ben richards on the show the more we're realizing that like he he can't be all this bad guy if he's letting other people live Mm -hmm. exactly so but unfortunately though weiss has died through the electric shock amber and ben richards have one more encounter with laughlin as he's laying dying but laughlin's final request to him is that there's a resistance hideout somewhere in the game zone and uh, he wants Ben to go find it to go get, deliver the codes that they were working for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, also Amber they, knows the access codes that she got from Weiss. Weiss asked her, you know, hey, memorize these, so she has those up in her brain. Um, and yeah, so uh, I think we go to you know commercial here. Um, after uh richard spares dynamo i think it's at that point off camera uh killian actually offers richards a job as a stalker exactly yeah and, oh wait okay this is a great one this is a great one liner uh, uh basically you know like you're exactly right he's getting offered um the opportunity to 
basically be on this show. So like we were saying before, we're under, we're under this understanding that people who walk away from this show get to live on like a Hawaiian vacation. And so basically what Killian was offering that plus a steady paycheck job. And, but <laughs> uh, basically what happens is <laughs> Killian goes, so what do you think of that Richards? And Richards goes up to the camera that was pointed at him and lifts it off of its mount and goes, I'll tell you what I think of it. I live to see you eat that contract, but I hope you leave enough room for my fist because I'm going <laughs> to break the goddamn spine. And then he just throws the surveillance camera on the ground. And I just thought that was such, a, that was such an Arnold moment right there. <laughs> it's like that was one of like the very few – I mean, of the 50 one-liners that were fresh in my mind when I watched the movie. <laughs> I have to imagine that one-liner wasn't even written down, that they just, uh, they were like, all right, camera's rolling, Arnold, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Arnold, you're angry. Go for it. Use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean. Go ahead, yeah. Arnold refuses, and then uh, we get to meet our next stalker, Fireball. 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 Yeah. So um, you were – okay, so yeah, a one, a one thing we forgot to mention was that Jesse Ventura being this guy, Captain Freedom, mm-hmm. is the – he's supposed to be the top stalker in the show. And although he may be, you know, not necessarily stalking all the time or – I think at one point he's kind of like retired, I believe. Mm-hmm. But he – because he's doing that, you know, workout, workout shape. <laughs> exactly. But um, we noticed that not there's a ton of these stalkers that all be in this locker room. And so every time that we stalkers get killed, they go back to the locker room and they're, they kind of get more, you know, stalkers lined up for basically Ben Richards to take out. So they go back to the locker room and go get this guy Fireball. And uh, Fireball seems to be a personal favorite of the audience because they all keep chanting his name. And he's just this, he's got this huge flamethrower gun and a jetpack as well that he can use. Yeah. And um yeah, so he's chasing uh, Amber and Ben Richards through an abandoned factory. You're right. You know, he's got his big flamethrower and a uh, pack on his back. And um, I think this is where Amber discovers the fate of our uh, previous season's winners. Um, right. Yeah, those guys, they, uh, they never made it out of the game. Yeah, they never made it out of the game zone. And so, yeah, basically that's Amber's got split up from Ben Richards because Richards was trying to, you know, distract Fireball at this point. But uh, she, he gets caught by Fireball in the corner. And so he's like, so Amber's just like, were these the previous season winners? He's like, no, these were the previous season's losers. Yeah. <laughs> I know you, you got us. You, you were right. But essentially, basically, this is, this part caught me so funny just because it reminded me of like how Batman eventually beat Bane in the Batman series. He, <laughs> Richards managed to find his way up on the ceiling somehow. And all he does is just pull a little bit of a pull little pipe out of the backpack that fireball was wearing. And he, he gets covered in all the gasoline. And funny enough, Richards comes across an entire box full of flares that he's just like, <laughs> hold this for me i thought you needed a light <laughs> and then catches yeah of course fireball just completely bursts into flames <laughs> and then richards finishes off with a he was such a hothead oh my god the one-liners <laughs> in this movie are beautiful 
Uh, they, you could say they're beautiful, but they're also like making me smack my forehead multiple <laughs> times, leaving a red mark at the same time. But yeah, so not man, Richards is really coming away with some kills. He's he's uh, uh, based three and oh right now, he's saying, saving he's yeah, he's running through them. But funny enough, it seems like everyone at the audience with Damien is rooting out for Richards. Yeah, I think we started uh, they, to see some bets, um, you know, that the audience are making. And, you know, it's actually now people are starting to bet on Richards, you know, instead of betting on Exactly. Right, because, you know, the audience members are winning for prizes. So they're thinking who's going to be the next victim you know, to fall, who will win the prize. But then, yeah, you go right back to those uh, Jack and Jills I was talking about earlier, those just regular pedestrians. They're also splitting bets right now. And this guy just goes, 200 for Richards. <laughs> and he manages to get the bet down and everything like that. But um, basically, yeah, Richards is coming through and uh, k- kicking, kicking butt right now. Um, but w- what happens next is that Richards and Amber finally come across this resistance hideout mm-hmm. that, uh, Lafton was talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where they, uh, run back into Mick. Um, yeah, Mick, Mick was this old man that they saw back at the factories and stuff like that when he first escaped, you know, not, who this just ran this random guy, you know, he's a leader, but we know nothing about him or the resistance or what they're really trying to do. But, um, but thanks to Amber and her studious memory skills, she manages to uh, re- recite the code back to them. And apparently that code controls the broadcasting footage that everyone gets to see around the world. So really, in, uh, in a sense, very important information. Well, one thing before that happens is, so Killian, he wants to send in one last stalker to uh, really finish off the job, you know, kill Amber, kill Ben Richards. And that's Captain Freedom, played by Jesse Ventura. But, I mean, you know, <laughs> Captain Freedom, he's got all that money raking in from his workout tapes. He says, nah, I'm retired. I refuse. You know, I, I don't want to go in there. And so they actually uh, create some uh, digital body doubles. Right, right, right. Yeah, dude. Great. Keep going. I remember that part. <laughs> so, yeah, they create digital doubles of uh, Captain Freedom, Ben Richards, and Amber. And then they – and I think it's it's real people, you know, doing these uh, fights and then deaths on screen. But basically, they just overlay – what looks like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's body, Jesse Ventura's body, uh, you know, as doing these fights. But yeah, so I right. mean, they, they have uh, Captain Freedom ultimately kill Ben Richards and Amber, or at least what looks like it to the television audience. Exactly. We're really seeing another taste of how well the 1980s technology era can post a post-apocalyptic, like, future but the graphing that they were doing was like that green light that goes across the face like pew, pew, pew. this is now a different person's face <laughs> like <laughs> and and you're right they must have taken like some previous footage from some old episodes of you know the game show and maybe some fights captain america previously had and uh just basically you're right just portrayed arnold schwarzenegger and uh maria Alonso's face on there and stuff like that but um yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, and, you know, it's just like what was going before with Amber and the fake news report and then Ben Richards being framed. You know, they're really still relying on America to just uh, 
uh, rely on whatever the media is telling them, whatever the, um, whatever the television says has to be fact. Right. So absolutely. So, I mean, you know, now the television audience thinks that Ben Richards has died, but then with those access codes that you mentioned earlier, um, you know, Amber's able to, uh, you know, give those and get control of the control room and, uh, you know, broadcast some new footage shows that Richards is still alive. And, um, you know, it shows the actual footage of what happened in that uh, police helicopter that day during the Bakersfield massacre and exonerates him and, um, you know, reveals the truth about, you know, some of the game's previous contestants that, you know, hey, they're not living on a tropical island. They're <laughs> dead. Um, and so that gets all of the uh, viewing public to turn on Killian and turn on the Running Man game show. Right, right. If it wasn't already heading that way with Richards, like saving Dynamo's life and everything like that, or, you know, sparing his life. I mean, yeah, this 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 totally, you know, caught, caught them red handed and everything like that. And during this footage and everything like that, you know, Richards is now leading this squadron of people into the actual game show to go confront Killian actually on set doing the game show and everything like that. And I thought it was pretty funny because of of how little resistance they met until they got all the way into the game show. Because at one point you see Arnold Schwarzenegger leading the pack of people and it's just one of those stationary cameras that you, as you see them walk past it, like they're all heading in the same direction. But they're all standing in like a single file line, like just like, yeah, we're just walking our way through this hallway. You know, yeah, they really didn't meet much resistance at all. <laughs> exactly, we're not in the heart of the lion's den or anything right now. We're just going, you know, we're just going to like change the future right now. That's all. Yeah, I don't know what these uh, resistance members who were just waiting there were waiting for. It seems very easy to just storm in with guns and weapons. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, um, but Amber, uh, I believe, okay, so obviously, you know, they Richards bursts through the door, confronts Killian in the middle of his show, and, you know, starts, you know, saying, you know, about to make a speech and everything like that, right before a um, security officer starts gunfiring at them. And so this huge entire gunfight just breaks out in the middle of, you know, a bunch of civilians just trying to watch this game show and all and everything. So it turns into a pretty uh, big massacre. But at least from what I was watching, it looked like a lot of the police officers were getting shot more than like the innocent people were. It was very much a one-sided fight here. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, while uh, you know Ben Richards is up to that, uh, Dynamo makes a reappearance. Um, you know, he had his life spared, but then he comes in and ambushes Amber. Um, so they get into a fight. Uh, she actually is able to finally kill him sets off a uh, you know fire sprinkler <laughs> over his head which is another glaring flaw in <laughs> his outfit you would think that they would make it waterproof but <laughs> i know apparently people in the opera industry do not take kindly to getting their lives spared and being humiliated like that on camera so obviously you know he had to go make a reappearance and try and you know save his name under the, his reputation as an opera singer but yeah, basically, <laughs> I, he's he's trying to fight her and some of that. And then what happens? He gets kicked in the nads. She pulls a fire alarm, and he just bursts into electrical death. <laughs> but 
another another glaring issue of this is that that's not how electricity works okay they're all getting covered in water another reason why amber should definitely be dead in the scenario is that if she's also getting covered with water and there's electricity going through the air you're gonna get conducted with electricity as well no 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 no, no. michael this is future electricity future electricity (laughs) oh my goodness well, well, forget me and my old technology, yeah, you're, man. You're but thinking I, of the past. That's that old science, man. Yeah, everyone Pluto's knows not a that. Pluto's not Pluto's not a planet, and the Earth revolves around the sun. I get it. You know, weird things, but we understand now. <laughs> so that's the end of Dynamo. And then going back to, uh, you know, Richards, he's basically you know, able to confront Killian one-on-one now that the, uh, you know, audience has uh, fled for their lives. <laughs> yeah, basically, he's just, you know, Killian is trying to hide. We're back at the bullet train where it all started, man, which is pretty freaking uh, ironic. But it was actually, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, we totally forgot to mention one of his best one-liners is when he's talking to Killian right before he goes down the first bullet train. He says, I'll be back. Or he says something like that. He said, I'll, I'll, I'll be coming back. Yeah, like I, don't that. Think he, and, I don't think that line was from this movie. <laughs> it, it could have very well have been, but it was. we're talking the same lines here almost. But yeah, he, it, it takes a full circle. Killian is getting confronted by Richards and basically pleading for his life, talking about, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. The people need the television. They need the television violence. You know, it, it's it's not me. You know, it's 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 the government. It's Big Brother type of thing. You know, I'm just I'm just the the messenger kind of thing. But you know, Richards doesn't buy it even for a second. He gets them to get into the bullet train and basically does the exact same thing Richards is. But here's here's the kicker, Matt, and this is the most important part of the film. There was no orange snow tape blocking Killian's path with his bullet train. And so he had to have no stopping. You know, the unmovable, the immovable object was not stopped by the unstoppable force. <laughs> and so he, uh, he just flies right into a billboard that, you know, it was Killian's, you know, brand cola that was the best soda ever, whatever. Like that. But he goes cola. crashing into Cadre Cola. He goes flying into there and Richard gets the satisfaction of sending him to a uh, early grade oh that was a beautiful payoff yeah the rocket it was it, gone and he flies <laughs> right into a billboard with his face they on did it. yep exactly <laughs> yep richards made sure that the reverse jets were not attached to the bullet train and <laughs> there was nothing stopping from killing going into that billboard but i gotta say i'm here we are guys we're at the end of the film you know great things richards basically helped change the planet for the future but amber walks through the middle entrance where they first arrive and richards goes up and meets her and kisses her which makes absolute no goddamn sense at all they were not lovers why are they kissing (laughs) you know what they've been through a uh, crazy experience they would never be able to explain it to anybody other than each other and uh that is the make for a great relationship I can see how none Obviously. of this would go wrong. That reminds me of a scene back in um, Keanu Reeves' movie Speed, where the the girl that <laughs> was Bullock. driving, 
yeah, Sand, thank you. Sandra Bullock <laughs> during the entire drive there was like she's a therapist and says so she goes, you know, relationships starting under intense circumstances never last. <laughs> and, <it's, laughs> and that's who this is what's happening here with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Maria Conchalita Alonso. Right. They are meeting her hot and heavy circumstances. They have no chemistry. They uh he honestly does not seem to like her through much of the movie, but uh and, uh, very annoyed he's just like but i gotta get a, i gotta pet a wet one on here yep to really seal the deal i think every uh every <laughs> movie in the 80s needed a case of like <laughs> you know what our main character is straight <laughs> so uh right exactly. a big kiss on the female character <laughs> exactly it doesn't, it doesn't even matter for what reason whether they were had any chemistry at all during the scenes but as long as the kiss was planted. Ah, okay. Got two hetero. We got some hetero female and male here. Good to know. Well, that, ladies and gentlemen, was The Running Man. But That was it. We're not finished yet. Um, Michael, I know that you said you have some one-liners from the movie. Real quick, I also found some uh, trivia on the movie, some behind-the-scenes. Um, and this movie features... Not one, but two actors that would later go on to be governors. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> people love the running man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I guess, I guess you're right, man. That's that's crazy to think about that. Uh, you know, we we come across this, but I mean, hey, uh, Arnold did some good things for uh, for California. So who knows, man? Maybe he took some of his lessons from the Running Man and. So, you know, applied it to how it is to govern the state. Yeah. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was, of course, the governor of California uh, from 2003 to 2011. And then Jesse Ventura, who played Captain Freedom in the movie, he was the governor of Minnesota from 1999 to 2003. And um, kind of funny when uh, Arnold ran for governor, he actually rode around in a cam- campaign bus and named it The Running Man. Oh, really? Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I, I we didn't mention this earlier either. Do you know this movie has a sixty-four on Rotten Tomatoes? Like it's considered. I'm not certified fresh or something like that, yeah. but it's not considered sloppy. No, it's not it's considered sloppy. You see, I think that this kind of has like a, like cult popularity. You know, I had definitely heard of The Running Man before recording this episode. So, right. I've never seen it though, and it's also good. It's also got a lot of actors and actresses that have shown, uh, you know, a lot of popularity during that time. I mean, Richard Dawson and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, just just for two, uh, based off reference, you know what I'm saying? But uh, I got one. I'll give you guys one more good quote here from the movie. And it's another one that just like it's so it's so doesn't belong there in any sort of way. But basically, this is at the point where uh, Ben Richards is confronting Damien. And basically, first he starts off the conversation with, hello there, cutie pie. One of (laughs) us is in deep trouble. And right at that point, this entire movie, that Damien had a bodyguard of his that went by the name of Sven, even though he only said it one time. And basically, Sven comes out of here, and he's this big, burly guy, just like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he goes right there to Damien's side, like he's acting to protect them. And so Ben, Gun- ben-, ben goes to state again. He goes, one of us is in deep trouble. 
And right when Sven goes in, Damien goes, Sven, do you want to talk to Mr. Richards? As in, like, you know, do you want to protect my honor here real quick? And there's, like, a huge long pause. (laughs) And Damien just goes, well? And Sven looks at him and goes, I've got to score some steroids. And then completely leaves. Just completely leaves the scene. Like, like that had any sort of meaning or reference to what's been <laughs> happening in the movie so far. Just this, this bodyguard hardly says anything throughout the movie. You think he's this big guy that's going to protect Damien. And he's just like, you know what? It's the 80s. Steroids are still a good thing. I've got to score some steroids. And leaves. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I thought we were going to have like one big last showdown and then it just kind of fizzles out there. Yeah, exactly. Like they, he didn't have a chance in hell to start with Damon. But I mean, <laughs> here he is, had one last hope and it was nothing. It, it was literally just, I, it was wasting another two minutes worth of airtime for this movie so they can make it over 100 minutes. <laughs> um. All right, some other trivia I have here. Uh, running The Running Man was actually originally scheduled to come out in July 1987 um, for summer release, but it was actually moved back four months by TriStar so that you know it wouldn't get into competition with Arnold Schwarzenegger's other summer film in 1987, Predator, which came out in June. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep, so those were released in the same year, 1987. I think that's really what uh, skyrocketed already to fame but um exactly exactly and that makes a lot of sense too i'm I'm sure producers and people do like that all the time but like you can't that's it's also crazy to think about that you know um i'm sure that there was different times apart between these two different movies but it was as if arnold was working on two productions at the exact same time you know they just said literally the only reason that they got moved was so that it wouldn't affect um the the box office budget coming yeah, I was uh, I was actually trying to do some research to see like when each one was filmed. Like maybe you know this got filmed and then was put on the shelf for a little bit, and then you know it was supposed to come out. I couldn't find that information because you know I, I don't think he was filming the filming these concurrently. And you know he was uh, they were in the Dominican Republic, I think, while filming Predator. So like <laughs> like the actual jungle, um, right? Exactly. So it would have been it would have been crazy to think that they were also doing this in the Dominican Republic, which they probably weren't, wow. you know? So I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there, there had to be different times because just from the sake of, you know, scheduling and transportation between different countries <laughs> is a uh, big enough reason why they would come have some, you know, conflict in uh, timing and stuff like that. But, but yeah, speaking of predator. Uh, um, so four actors from the predator film franchise actually appear in this film. Of course we have Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jesse Ventura, and then, wouldn't you know it, Sven, <laughs> the bodyguard. They all appear in the original uh, film, The Predator, in 1987. And then right. uh, Maria Conchita Alonso appears in the sequel, Predator 2. Right. Exactly, yeah, as I mentioned before, I recall that. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a recurring theme, it seems to be, with the directors that we choose to do, Matt, because these uh, – movies that they're doing usually revolve around the same type of actors and actresses Mm -hmm. you know they're coming they're coming back to do the sequel they're coming back because there's good chemistry between them but one reason or another you know we see this uh pattern of recurring uh actors and actresses uh i also do want to mention as well in terms of themes even though my gosh i 
I'm really digging for this theme right now because of this movie and how we, we've taken the last hour here to make fun of it. But uh, it's I, there's a theme here of what television portrays to us as you know, you know, just what how many different types of media platforms there are and different things that we because you know news never dies and you know there there'll be it'll be a cold day in hell if there's ever a day where there's people aren't doing some sort of newscast on something so uh it just goes to show that you know even though this movie is kind of ridiculous in its way it does kind of have that message of just be careful what you always see whether or not now it's online but also just on television because not everything that the media portrays is true. So it's important to understand, uh, you know, what you need to perceive as being real and what's not real, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when they show that, you know, doctored footage of, (laughs) you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, you know, or his his character in the movie, Ben Richards, you know, having been the one to um, actually massacre those people, you know, it just showed how like, uh, you know, rabid, like an audience can be, you know, that nobody's taking the time to, I guess, go out and, um, actually like verify things for themselves. So it is right. Uh, exactly. Kind of if it's brought, exactly. If it's, if the news is brought to them, you know, then why not just believe it, you know, because that's what they, that's what you're telling me. And that's what you're telling me to listen to. But instead, you know, people need to be looking out for what, you know, is the actual truth. And sometimes that requires digging and like proper investigation of things. Mm-hmm. Right. I do have I'll, one go last behind the scenes piece of trivia here. And that Lay is it on me, brother. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Jesse Ventura, two big, muscly, macho men. You know, they were in Predator together. They were in this movie together. They actually had a little bit of a backstage rivalry going on. Um, really? If you would believe. So, it, 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 well, the steroids that they were both taking that was riling them <laughs> up. <laughs> like a very uh, common occurrence for meatheads in the back in the 80s. Yeah, there wasn't enough. Uh, enough food at craft services for the both of them. <laughs> yeah, so. Sven was taking Sven was scoring all the steroids, man, leaving nothing for Jesse and Arnold. Oh, that's very true. But it, yeah, so in the in the behind the scenes footage of the making of Predator, uh Jesse Ventura, he says on a one-on-one to the camera, the biggest thrill for me was when we hit wardrobe. And I happened to view Arnold's wardrobe tape, and when my arms taped out one big one inch bigger than Mr. Olympias, that made Jesse Ventura feel pretty good. <laughs> so, Is he talking in third person? He, yeah, he talks in third person. He was a uh, he was a professional wrestler. So <laughs> I, I know, I know, but he's not a professional wrestler now, and he's talking. You know, he's, but the fact that he's still keeping up that third person persona. <laughs> and this was about ten years before he became governor, also. So it's uh, that's even scarier that he's speaking in third person. But then they, I know, uh, man. That that same uh, behind the scenes footage and um, Predator, uh, they then put Arnold on the camera and one on one he rebuts. Well, I'm very happy about that because then my joke worked because I told the wardrobe department they should tell him that so I can bet him a bottle of champagne afterwards when he comes to the gym. 
He came to the gym two days later and he said, you know something, Arnold, we should measure our arms and see who has bigger arms. I said, of course we should. Let's bet a, let's bet a bottle of champagne. Then we measured and my arm was three inches bigger than his. So this genius, he, uh, he set Jesse Ventura up. Straight up. You know, Arnold's not the only – Arnold and Jesse are not the only uh, rivalry, and it's not the only time that Arnold has gotten the play on another actor. Um, Sylvester Stallone has also been played by Arnold because there was a time when they had a rivalry and they were both competing for a part in a movie that was about to be playing. And in, but um, Arnold only pretended to be interested in that part in order to get Sylvester Stallone to be more inclined to get into that and be fighting for the position, only to have it that it was a terrible movie and one of Sylvester Stallone's worst uh, performances ever just for the fact that the movie itself was so terrible. I am looking it up oh, that's awesome. right now. I hadn't heard about that. Uh, the movie is called uh, Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. <laughs> you know what? I actually have heard of that movie. but Yeah, and there's a, point, <laughs> there's a point in the movie where Sylvester Stallone has to pretend to poop his diaper. <laughs> <laughs> so uh he was nominated for like an academy award for that or what <laughs> i mean like he had a few nominations of course i mean like the poopy the poopy noises he made were fantastic but i mean <laughs> it was it was hard to tell it was hard to tell it was a rough year <laughs> all right michael i don't think this movie ever got nominated for any awards but would you recommend this movie to the audience Oh, I mean, guys, you saw how how funny that me and Matt think this movie are. And I mean, if you like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you kind of already know what you're getting into. It's going to be muscly one-liners that he's going to be kicking some ass and cashing some checks. So if you like Arnold Schwarzenegger, if you like him back when he was in the 80s being a buff dude and you really don't like poor films but based off of kind of pretty good plots, like potential plots, then yeah. Go ahead. But if you want to talk to the real, uh, you know, movie critic in me, no, this movie was pretty bad. But <laughs> hey, you got to you got to look after a few. But you got to crack a few bad eggs, you know, and make an omelet, something along those lines, you know, quote, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think it's it's dumb fun. Um, you know, I had a pretty good time watching it, you know, just myself but i think it would be a lot of fun with a group um you know exactly. every time that a one-liner comes out just like it, my eyes take a shot and just take a shot <laughs> yeah exactly make a drinking game out of it every one-liner that you get you take out you gotta take a shot you'll be pie-eyed by you the end of the dead. night <laughs> all right man uh, that's great yeah great suggestion here by our uh fellow uh podcaster matt uh, remember to uh, look us up on our Twitter or Instagram handles. Uh, that movie was, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we always suggest, uh, or excuse me, uh, would love to have any sort of suggestions or any sort of feedback onto our podcast or any potential movies that you guys might want to hear. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so please write us your suggestions for movies on upcoming episodes or any sort of feedback you have to Instagram at that movie was, and on Twitter at underscore that movie was. 
Exactly. And uh, like I said, we're always open to suggestions here. You can tell that we are from this past movie. We take any and all suggestions. <laughs> so, so really dig into your, um, into your movie repertoire and any sort of movies that you think are worth a look at. Let us know, man. Cause we're definitely looking forward to it. All right, Michael and listeners. So that's been our episode on the running man. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, check out some of our past episodes. I think this is going to be our ninth episode so we do have a few hours of entertainment that uh you can go back and listen to and um until next time don't take our words for it go see for yourselves <laughs>